Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your alpha predator host, Javi. Nice. <laughs> and this week, we are finally getting to Godzilla King of the Monsters, which was a movie that we watched, what, two or three weeks ago at this point? <laughs> only two. The review comes out only two weeks after Promise. Yeah. It, it was originally supposed to come out like just a week after uh, the film was released, but... You know, again, our scheduling conflict pushed back our entire schedule, which is not the worst thing in the world. It's just uh, now we're catching up to this movie that it's been now that it's been in theaters for several weeks at this point. I got to tell you, though, like it feels good to finally be behind the mic again. And we're out of that weird shithole we were in with our do you like St- or do we like Star Wars series? So it's like. It's good to finally review some fun movies again. Oh, it feels like hitting the reset button again, doesn't it? Right, on the entire show, truth be told. <laughs> um, so, uh, what was your experience with uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters? Uh, I want to go watch this movie with some asshole. Um, oh, hey, Angel. <laughs> <laughs> so, we went together. We got to see this movie in IMAX, which was pretty freaking sweet. I should yeah I should I should mention right now that if you're thinking of whether or not to go see this movie while it's still running in theaters, IMAX is the way you want to see it. Yeah, it's going to cost you a little bit extra coin, but trust us it's totally worth it. Like just the sound quality, just, like this movie was filmed to be on an IMAX theater honestly. Yeah. yeah. And, and it fucking shows shockingly enough too, it's is the fact that this movie has opened to really bad reviews from movie critics. Man, fuck critics. <laughs> they can kiss a whole asshole. Uh, and I don't want to get on the soapbox about, like, you know, critics and moviegoers and all that kind of stuff. Like, I'll say this. I'm one of those people that, like, didn't understand all the critical slander that Batman vs. Superman got. <laughs> I don't think it's a I don't think it's a Nolan Batman movie or anything super spectacular, but I also don't think it's as bad as everyone else made it out to be, but that could also be because the ultimate cut is the only cut of that movie that I watch now. <laughs> now, you know what? I'm going to stand on my soapbox. I fucking hate critics. <laughs> Cuz the problem is that like a review website will put out one shitty review and well, I'm also very tainted because like uh you know, at least in the video game scene, whenever there's like a review, people like hold on to certain websites' uh, reviews is like to mean so much. But then it's like you start going into the thing where there's favoritism in the industry, and very much so, it feels the same thing in the film industry. You know, like people kind of have their favorites and they know what they're going to gravitate to. And it sucks when you have a fun movie that isn't meant to really. You know, there there's some movies that aren't meant to like tickle your brain too hard. They just it's one of those brain, it's one of those movies where you just gotta turn your brain off and have some fun. And I felt like King of Monsters is definitely one of those movies. Or King of the Monsters is one of those movies. Yeah. And that's why it pissed me off to see so many like shitty reviews about it. And it's like what's not to like? Like there's yeah. giant ro- there's giant monsters fighting, asshole. Like what'd you expect? 
I think, <laughs> and I don't want to get too far into this, but I swear to you, I think that like comic book movies and the Marvel like craze and run that they've been on is almost kind of poison blockbusters in a way. Because it's like, if it's not Marvel, I feel like people just shit on it. Like, yeah. And this yeah, movie, I, this I movie is taking kind of a page from Marvel in terms of building a shared movie universe. But let's be clear. Godzilla is a series that has been doing crossovers for decades before Marvel movies even existed. <laughs> so yeah. this is this is technically the original that is coming back. Yeah. Fuck you, Warner Brothers. We've been watching Godzilla dropkick uh, King Kong for years already, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, I, to me, I, I don't... I think the people who are giving this movie a negative review are people who don't understand what the point of some of these movies are. And I think, and, and this is part of it. Look, I, we talked about it during our last Godzilla review when we talked about Shin Godzilla. Like, if, I think, I feel like there is a really good Godzilla story that can be very critical of how, you know, the U.S. used the atomic bomb uh, at the end of World War II. But Hollywood is not interested in telling that story. So nope. that's why I'm just like, you know, it don't I don't get caught up in the fact that they're not trying to make something that's conscious, relevant, and kind of more high art. So that's not what I'm expecting from this. On the bright side, because uh, Shin Godzilla gave me the movie that I wanted in terms of a serious, gritty, like, this is a real world kind of Godzilla story, like, that gave me that. So I think that's why I feel satisfied, and I'm okay with these like Warner Brothers movies taking a much more campy approach. You already got your woke Zilla, and now it's time for just stupid monster action. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not going to say it's stupid too. Like one of the things I highly appreciate about this is after you know Hollywood totally fucked this up the first time with 1998 right when they brought in Roland Emmerich to completely shit all over this franchise like I think this new series and this movie in particular is finally paying real respect to some of the stuff uh, from Toho uh, the director Michael Doherty is a fan of the Godzilla franchise and it shows like this movie is in love with the lore of Godzilla yeah, and also like not just the lore, but just like the whole st the just the style of ever you know every film that came out before. Uh, I mean, you're gonna know more than me, but I de like there were some musical pieces that I definitely recognized, and I was like, oh, that that's cool to hear. Like Mothra's theme, I thought that was a really cool. Call Mothra's theme is the best like music in this movie because the even the Godzilla theme like yes like it, it is the remake of the Ishiro Honda like movie like where they do the theme for Godzilla mm -hmm. but one thing I don't like about the music is I really like that 2014 Godzilla theme and that theme is like nowhere to be found here yeah, it was like one of the few things that movie got right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I'm not gonna not gonna harp on it too much. I mean, the classic Godzilla theme is good, but in terms of like the what I thought was the best monster theme on this entire soundtrack, it was Mothra, mostly because it's like that Mothra song is great. <laughs> uh, 
Before I forget, I wanted to go back to the whole uh, to the whole critics thing because I just remembered this. Uh, I think it was a meme that friend of the show Jose sent us, where he was talking about how there was like this thing, uh, like an article going around either Twitter or Facebook where people were like, "Oh yeah, uh, critics are panning uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters because there's not enough human. Uh, what's it called? Like the the human plot line so, uh, falls flat." <laughs> Or was it that there's not much of a human plot line? And then, like, someone's, like, responding to it, and they're like, oh, so you mean the movie's good? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, again, the people who are giving this negative reviews are people who don't understand what made Godzilla movies popular in the first place. Like, they don't. They just don't. Um, And even if you wanted to do a serious Godzilla movie, you can only do that once in a while. Like, you cannot make an entire series around this because it turns too grim and then audiences turn on that too like audiences don't want things that are too jokey and they don't want things that are too serious already so yeah (laughs) especially us western audiences we want something that reminds us that hey there's a lighter side to life and also life sucks all the time (laughs) um the other piece of music that i probably really did like and that has been stuck in my head ever since is the remix to the blue oyster cult godzilla song <laughs> oh fuck yeah dude that was fucking awesome which oh they play it at the end credits and it's just like it rocks it really does <laughs> okay fucking middle-aged dad <laughs> it does what am i gonna say like i'm not someone who was around when blue oyster cult was you know in prominence and something that was mega popular but because of two movies you know, I, I know the music from it. Well, two songs. One of them is Godzilla. I've heard that song before. And then I heard this remix. And, of course, Don't Fear the Reaper. Anyone who's a fan of the Halloween franchise, like, knows that movie. So, It's hella funny. Like, I'm, I'm going to tell you why I marked out a little bit harder when that song came out. Because in high school, I went through, like, this really, like, cringy fucking, oh, I'm not listening to anything past the year 2000 phase, right? And, like, Blue Oyster Cult became one of my, like, favorite bands and i remember just to be like counter everybody else i was like yeah blue is your cult's better than the beatles and shit. oh my god yeah i was a, i was a fucking i was a fucking asshole <laughs> i'm surprised i had any friends in high school well i listened to the beatles way more than i listened to 70s dad rock so man fuck <laughs> you don't fear the reapers the best song ever it's great no it's awesome i love the song but you know yeah, and I go back and I listen to these, like listen to their music. And I'm holy shit, this is cheesy as shit. <laughs> I'm like, just this song alone is cheesy as fuck. But you know what? The way they remixed it and the fact that they played Godzilla in a Godzilla movie, I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> um, the thing that is troubling about this movie, however, is the fact that it's opened and remained at such a low box office. Like, it looks like it's gonna be essentially not a flop but it's just it's it's gonna have a severely underwhelming u.s box office but i i do have a lot of hope and i'm pretty sure that overseas it's gonna make a lot of money like this Uh, i haven't read anything too promising overseas is it okay yeah i mean i don't like i said i don't think it's gonna or like you said i don't think it's gonna flop i just don't know if it's gonna do good enough to like 
Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Plus, yeah. I think the problem right now with the climate in Hollywood right now is if a movie isn't a mega success, like it is considered a failure, right? Like that is yeah. that is the film box office culture that we're in now. It's like you're either going to break the record with your movie or your movie is trash. And I mean, it sucks because it feels like Kong really like bre- like it breathed new life into the like this weird connected franchise, like Absolutely. this shared universe they're trying to do. And then this movie comes out, and you're like, "Oh shit!" I'll like, say the this. World just... yeah. I'll say this. I thought I thought that all the lead up, you know, in all the years that went by between 2014 and now, and how this felt like a soft reboot when the trailers were coming out. I was a little concerned that they were going to now deviate from the Kong versus Godzilla thing that they wanted to do. And because this was a, you know, this is a movie where all the monsters, where, you know, all the famous monsters are showing up, like, it feels almost like an end to a series, like, when you have all these at the same time. So, I'm all, I was impressed that this movie is still continuing to set up Godzilla versus King Kong. And uh, I really hope that they end up doing it. I know that recently they talked about how they're, you know, how they might be pushing back production on Godzilla vs. Kong. And I just hope that that movie does still end up getting made. Do it, you cowards! Make this movie! (laughs) Also, nerds, go watch this movie! Fucking support it so that Angel and I can keep watching Godzilla movies! (laughs) Um, oh god so before we go into stories or you know before we go into like our dissection of the what little plot there is in this movie you want to talk about the monsters and how they looked and whatnot i thought the monsters looked fantastic in this movie uh godzilla got a godzilla got a bit of a redesign and they made him look a little bit more dinosaur like than they did last time so they made the snout a little longer and they also kind of like have storyline reasons for why he's changed because he starts off with the sails on his back from the last movie, which were a bit more unique to that 2014 movie. And mm-hmm. uh, now at the end of this movie, like he almost like evolves into a second form where his sails on his back look a lot more like the classic Godzilla where it's like star like horns on his back. <laughs> I know. It's like he he hit a whole new gear and yeah, it was really cool looking. I mean, I, me personally, I was kind of a fan of Bearzilla from 2014. Like I thought it looked unique. Mm-hmm. But you know, when we watched Shin Godzilla and then you see how fucking terrifying that monster looked and then to get to see this one, I was like, okay. I'm cool with him looking a little bit more intimidating. Like he looked a little bit more croc-like. Yeah, and I don't know if we talked about this with Shin Godzilla, but one of the things that was kind of, like, shocking about that, and I didn't realize it until recently, I saw someone point it out in a YouTube video, one of the things that makes him look so weird and not, like, a living organism, like, not like a conscious organism, he's got no tongue in that movie. Yeah, he's got the weird predator mouth thing going on. Yeah. It was fucking cool, though. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely a good uh, a good design. I thought Ghidra looked really awesome. Um, it's it, it they gave the three different heads almost like kind of you know about as much personality as you can give the three different heads. Uh, it's pretty obvious that the leader was the one in the middle. And yeah, fucking Mo, Larry, and Curly over there. <laughs> I thought it was 
freaking sweet. And I don't want to get too much into this before we get into the plot, but I thought it was fucking awesome that they that they went with the idea that every time Ghidra flaps its wings, like he basically creates like a tropical storm. That was and I think that's what's really fucking crazy in this movie is how destructive each and every fucking monster is, dude. Yeah. <laughs> they have that like they have that weird fucking mammoth that I don't even think it's it's connected to any Toho monster, right? Yeah, there's like, a lot of there's a lot of monsters here that are there, there's some original stuff here as well. Like there's this giant yeah. spider monster that like I have no idea what that is. I thought it was Kumonga. Sure. You don't know about Kumonga? I actually know about something you don't. <laughs> Suck it, nerd. I, I think I think you overestimate my like my knowledge of Godzilla. <laughs> well, all, all I know is that Kum- this is also based on the on the Godzilla History's Greatest Monster comic book, which I still need to let you read. But uh, yeah, like Kumonga is one of the actual Earth kaiju that's like just a big ass spider and. I thought that's what that was. But, yeah, there was, like, that weird woolly mammoth one that has an earthquake every time it steps. Like, yeah, there was a lot of weird Muto-looking ones that I was like, eh. Yeah, the Muto makes the Muto makes an appearance in this as well, so. And I was like, man, fuck you. No, I, I appreciated that. Like, I think this movie, I was a little bit impressed because, again, like, I thought they were essentially doing... There, a course correction, and because it was the first one was received, you know, relatively poorly, that they were just gonna try to change everything. I was a little shocked to discover that that, you know, the events of Godzilla 2014 do directly feed into this in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the catalyst of this entire film, actually. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, uh, this movie again it revolves around the Monarch uh, Agency. Which is, you know, was introduced in Godzilla 2014 and actually had a much bigger role in Kong Skull Island. Um, so now they bring it back around again and this time our human characters are part of Monarch. So our stars are essentially parts of Monarch instead of like before we're, you know, I, I think this movie, what it does fantastically well is it gives us much better human characters to be around. That gives us characters that are a lot more likable and whose roles actually make a lot more sense, you know, as it relates to the giant monsters treating our planet as a playground. Yeah, no, it, it, what I was very impressed by as well is the idea that these monsters, wherever they cause destruction, it essentially devastates that, like, you know, that land that it's on. And then all of a sudden it becomes much more like green and plentiful than it had ever been before. So this movie kind of posits a theory that that where these monsters go, they end up keeping the earth like, you know, alive, right? Like or like the line that Vera Farmiga has in the trailer where she talks about how, you know, the, how they're almost like the they're the uh they're like when the planet has an infection, they're like what fights the infection. So mm-hmm. 
they they get well, into some climate change stuff here a little bit. I'm very softly, but they get into some of that stuff here as well. Well, what's really interesting about that is that that's actually kind of rooted in some sort of reality, right? Because like, especially right now, HBO has the the miniseries for Chernobyl going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just to put kind of like a timestamp on when this episode's coming out. But, you know, like, it's a pretty well-known fact is that Chernobyl or the Chernobyl site has been pretty much the like the city's been overtaken by greenery and and plant life. And Mm -hmm. animals are actually starting to to move back into the land and they're actually able to survive in Chernobyl now. Um, But, I mean, there is also still a reactor there. So, oh, for God's sake, don't be like those stupid Instagram models that are all. I'll, like flocking to Chernobyl and taking pictures there right now, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's a thing that's going on. But yeah, like it, that's why it's really interesting because it's something that's happening in our world, but you know to the extent where there's essentially a rainforest where Vegas once stood, you know, at least in the in the Godzilla movie. This movie also kind of does something that I think Spielberg's Jurassic Park does, uh, where it. Looks, sexy Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> it looks at the monsters and it kind of like just ogles at them, right? In all their majesty. Like it's just it's just one of those things where it like it has such a love and respect for these giant creatures that it shoots them from a human perspective and they look more godlike than they ever have before. Yeah, I uh, especially Especially when they're monsters that we recognize, when it's monsters like Rodan and and Mothra, you know, it does make them look. I mean, it was one thing that yeah, see, oh yeah, big ass Mudo and a small ass human, like yeah, that means something. But it's like now you actually have like a face to put on that monster. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh shit! It just does make them seem that much more larger than life. So the movie actually kicks off right, you know, in the middle of the San Francisco battle from the first movie, except instead of showing you actual landscapes from San Francisco, like it is (laughs) a interesting choice is literally there's fire everywhere. Like everything is burning around our, one of our main characters, uh, who is... Oh, you're talking about Coach Taylor? Yeah. <laughs> Coach Taylor is, ah, crap, what's his character name? Mark. Mark Russell. Yeah, Mark Russell, played by Kyle Chandler, who's, you know, famous for Friday Night Lights. He's been in Wolf of Wall Street. He's on the Netflix series well, Bloodline. Like, he's he's in stuff. And when well, you see him, you recognize him. He's famous to you and me because we love Friday Night Lights. Oh yeah, it's it's really maybe one of my favorite series I've ever watched. Saracen. <laughs> but I I think again he is much like Brian. I mean they tried Brian Cranston before, but they didn't give him anything to do. This time they're like, no no no, we're doing this. We are absolutely giving this guy everything. Um, they bring in Vera Farmiga uh, as his wife, and Emma. she is yeah, she is so fantastic. I like uh, I said before, I think I mentioned it when we talked about the Conjuring, but 
it's so interesting that like when I first saw Vera Farmiga in The Departed and she was much younger and she was like starring with DiCaprio and Damon and Matt Damon, like I was like, there's this woman is going to be like so big in Hollywood and so famous. And I, one of the things that's really surprising is that so far her career, like she's essentially become a genre actress. Really? You think so? Like what horror genre? Yeah. Like well, horror sci-fi, you know, like she, I mean, she was in Bates motel. She does the conjuring movies now, which is what she's most famous for. I, I'd be interested in, I'm interested in Insidious, right? Right. Yeah. And then she's even in that new Netflix series when they see us on the central park five as well. So, Ooh, I need to watch that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm curious to see how how that's how she is in that series because the character that she plays like like she has done such a good job that that this woman who was a prosecutor uh, is apparently now resigning from a lot of posts because of all the backlash she's received on the advent of this movie. So <laughs> it's almost as if people don't like when injustices go unpunished. Hmm. Ooh, topical. Um, I think it's really interesting that in you know, and then her daughter is also played by Millie Bobby Brown, who everyone knows from Stranger Things, and it's again, these are much more interesting people to follow than that first movie. <laughs> Not just that, but I feel like... I love the idea that just that. Not characters, just interesting people in general. Well, that, and then they also have more of a reason to be here. Like, Brian Cranston's wife died in an accident in the first movie, but there's nothing else that that movie really did to try to make me care about, like, them at all. Like... I didn't get to know Joe Brody very much at all, so like when he died, I didn't really care. Ford Brody was fucking boring, so who the hell was gonna care about anything that happened to him? Uh, but unfortunately, the movie just had to revolve around him. <laughs> but <laughs> they're like, "Well, let's go, Ford." Oh my god, I almost forgot his name. That's how boring he was. Yeah, but in this movie, it's like they are directly tied to this because this family used to be a family of four. And their child was essentially killed in the wreckage of the San Francisco attack. And, you know, there's a lot of... Again, movies do this all the time now. It's unfortunately what happens in a post-9-11 world, right? Like when you see um, scenes of of building wreckage, like, you know, having killed people and stuff. Like, that is exactly what it reminds you of all the time. If you're in San Francisco and, and or, like, from the Bay Area, like... One of the things it might also remind you of is, you know, footage that you watch of the 89 earthquake uh, that happened during the World Series. So, and, and that one where like highways collapsed, buildings collapsed in the city, you know, people lost power. Like, it, there, there's a lot of different aesthetics at work here. But I mean, shit, we had family that lived through that earthquake. It's so crazy. I did. <laughs> I was much too young to really like feel any of it but yeah the, when the 89 quake happened like you know i was i was sleeping in my crib and <laughs> my mom always tells me that when the building started shaking uh that she just saw me like moving back and forth in the crib and she had to go run to the room and grab me <laughs> you're just like pinballing around <laughs> that's that's how i picture it yeah i picture myself just pinballing around the crib ding 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 ding, ding. till <laughs> But uh, while he, while he is, you know, while 
What is this guy's name again? Fuck, I already forgot. God, why do the, you know what doesn't help is that they keep giving these guys like generic ass names like Mark and Emma Russell. <laughs> yeah. Is it me or is Vera always playing somebody named like Emma? No, because she was uh, she's Lorraine. Lorraine. In the Never Garden. mind. Yeah. I was about to say Emma Warren or some shit. Yeah. No, so Mark Russell, you said, is the main yeah. character? Yeah, so Mark, like, looks up, and he sees Godzilla there. And, you know, Godzilla, again, he's so big that he may or may not really care about what he's doing, you know, about, you know, what the consequences are. And I don't think of it as Godzilla being evil. To me, it just, you know, it, it reminds me of, like, us, right? Like, we are normal-sized organisms, and we walk down the street every single day or like on a, on the sidewalk and imagine the amount of bugs ants or whatever that you like can step on on a daily basis while you're walking and you won't even notice it because they're so small right like it's one of those things that you just don't think about because it's so small and that's kind of how i think godzilla like feels about us like it's we're kind of there but not really <laughs> And that is what's extra terrifying about these movies, or that, like, you humans are supposed to be the top of the food chain, and all of a sudden there's something big enough that it makes us feel the way we feel about ants. You know, because we just go around minding our own business, the next thing we know, you fucking accidentally step into an ant colony and destroy the queen, and all of a sudden that colony, the colony's fucked, you know? Yeah. Like, it's so crazy that... Just the immense size of these monsters in, like, comparison. And, yeah, it does make you do shit like that. Like, start questioning existence and whatnot. Yeah. And what this does is this essentially starts a um, kind of, like, blood feud between, <laughs> between Mark and Godzilla. Like, he is... It is his greatest enemy at this point. And... He looked right at Godzilla and screamed, Venganza! <laughs> and it's, you know, it is ridiculous. Like, it is, like, he, like, to me, like, he sounds ridiculous when he's being so dramatic about it. And I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> and I get it. Like, he lost a child, right? And, God, as a parent, I can't even, I can't and don't ever want to imagine a world where that could happen but you know it's just maybe the way that it deals with grief of losing a child is kind of there but not really like maybe that's a sticking point for critics and stuff like that but you know again it 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 it, it ties this family directly to these monsters and the fact that they're cool they just happen to be part of monarch is what keeps them around here so um this event happens and Mark essentially like five years later becomes like a, how do I best put it? Like, like a hermit man. Well, a hermit and just someone who is like a naturalist and likes going out into the wild and watching the way predators hunt. It was really interesting because he was by himself, right? Like, you know, they have that scene where he's like taking pictures of the wolves as they're like surrounding their kill. And I was like, bruh, like you are five minutes away from becoming like their next victim <laughs> like what is you doing bro <laughs> well it it seems like he has a real interest in how some of these you know animals operate and what i do like about this movie is that this movie does you know treat these monsters as if they were animals mm -hmm. it posits more of like a 
instinctual, you know, animalistic kind of hierarchy um, than any of the other movies have ever done. Like in this movie, these monsters are all of different, you know, they're all different kinds of monsters, but they can like different species and whatnot. Yeah. Like, and different things can make them allies and, you know, they also pick a king, which, you know, happens in the wild, right? Like they're, if amongst group of animals that are the same, right? Like that, that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff does occur. But, you know, this takes all the classic Monster Island monsters from Toho and puts them into a hierarchy where... And and this is perfect. Like, to me, it's perfect that it goes this way and that's either Godzilla is the alpha or King Ghidra is. And can I also just say that I love the fact that they, when they first start introducing the idea of Ghidra, they introduce him as Monster Zero, which is you know, a reference to the original film that he starred in with Godzilla, which was Godzilla versus Monster Zero. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Because, uh, yeah, he doesn't actually start off as Ghidra, right? Like, he grows into becoming Ghidra? No. He's always Ghidra, but he's referred to as Monster Zero early on. They don't discover that his name is Ghidra until later. Uh, and what, in the original movie? No, in Godzilla King of the Monsters. Oh, you're talking about this one? <laughs> yes. No, 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 dumbass. I'm talking about Ghidra in, uh, in uh, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. Ghidra in Godzilla vs. Monster Zero is from space. And he's, like, brought from space. Oh, I'm so confused now. <laughs> Who knew that the Godzilla continuity would be so convoluted? Oh, come on. It's, like, 30 films. Of course it's going to be a nightmare to, like go through all the continuity like that but you know before we're introduced to any other monster the first monster we're actually introduced to in this movie is a larva form of mothra well the first real monster that uh the first real monster we encounter is a loveless marriage then it's a larva monster (laughs) fantastic well actually no the real monster is grief R.I.P. Mark's child. Oh my god. (laughs) We are making this so deep for no reason. (laughs) What? Like, that was the movie! They they might as well have had a giant neon sign to be like, the real monster's depression. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, the first monster we are really introduced to is Mothra. And one of the things that I like about this is that in the original Mothra film, like, (laughs) <laughs> the Mothra song is what, you know, allows you to kind of summon her. And in this one, they they, assi- they clearly assign a gender to her, which is female. Um, I don't think, that... I don't think I knew that in the, in, in the original films and it very well could have been said. And I just may be like late to the party on that, like, but she could have already been established as female, <laughs> but they also modernized the take because in the original Toho movies, which is really weird, it's, it's these very microscopic sized twins that sing the Mothra song that like, you know, bring her out of her slumber. Um, and in this one, they end up using a machine that creates a pitch, like a sound pitch that like wakes these monsters up. Yeah, so it's called the Orca, and that's essentially what Emma or uh, Vera Farmiga was, like, working on. 
Like, no, that's what her and Mark were working on while they were working at Monarch, was they were trying to find a way to isolate, uh, like, the different, like, echo, like, the, the, the different sound waves that the monsters were creating and using to communicate, and how it all, like, feeds off the same kind of echo waves that Godzilla was making. So it turns out that if you manipulate the one Godzilla makes, you can essentially make, find something that everyone, like all the monsters, can hear. Right, and that because includes... because he's he is their king. Like yep. he apparently is able to, you know, like make sounds that allow everyone to pay attention to him. <laughs> Listen up, bitches. <laughs> essentially, and uh, you know now. As the movie like goes on and and you are first introduced to Godzilla, it's the same thing, right? Like it's one he almost attacks the ship that they're all in in the water because it's they can't get the orca to work correctly, right? Oh yeah, like so this is where they show the real reach Monarch has. So Monarch went from being just like this weird multinational science nerd convention to being what is essentially Monster Shield, like, to the max. Yes. They have, they have that cool fucking underwater outpost that goes, like, to the bottom of the ocean. They have a what feels like a helicarrier, like that giant plane that, like poops out little attack helicopters do you know why they didn't find do you know why they're not able to find that monarch outpost and why it is so hidden did you did you catch that uh no why it's in the bermuda triangle oh shit that's kind of (laughs) cool yeah notice that when they fly the helicopter it's like yeah it's it's they there is a i don't know if it was it was a sign that 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 they read or, or if one of the pilots like mentioned it but i heard bermuda and uh, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, that makes sense, I guess. That's why nobody would find it. <laughs> it, it was fucking crazy. And then, like, they have that, uh, the, yeah, they have that awesome scene where it's, like, they have, the, they have the orca going off and, like, Mark is down with the, he's down with Sarazawa, uh, Dr. Graham, and, like, pretty much the rest of the uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., who I don't remember his character's name. <laughs> Yeah, of course. No, it's funny but... too because like they bring him back and they bring him back because Emma and her daughter like they they essentially get kidnapped because of the orca. Like the orca is the MacGuffin that sets the entire plot into motion. Uh, everyone wants it, and uh, she is kidnapped by a group of, of fucking tech... eco terrorists. Yeah, eco terrorists led by Charles Dance. Uh, who, you know, most people will most recently remember from uh, Game of Thrones, but who I always remember from Alien 3. Who like He she, was in Alien 3. He's the guy who like Ripley like sleeps in sleeps with in that movie. <laughs> you what well, you know what? You were saying how we're making this movie be hella deep. But this movie's doing a pretty good job of trying to be hella deep for no reason, with eco-terrorists and culling a humanity and, and like, you know, fucking dead, kill, dead kids and shit like that. To be like fair, that. this is probably where a lot of the complaints come from. Maybe people felt that the movie went off into way too many different directions and too many different tangents, and that there wasn't, I don't know, and that, and then they could have just picked one of these things and focused on them. 
I, See, I kind of agree with that. Like, if you wanted to just focus on climate change, it's like, why not focus on... If I was to rewrite this movie, <laughs> let me go ahead and do it right now. <laughs> All right, let's do Armchair Director. Let's go. How would you rewrite this movie? Here's my experimental rewrite of this movie. Um, and that is the reason why Ghidra becomes free, and a lot of these monsters become free, is because of climate change. Climate change melts the polar ice caps, which allow Monster Zero to free itself in Antarctica. Uh, the dry drought conditions of Central America and Mexico are what drive Rodan out. And, you know, just different things. Like, climate change has such a... It's it, why we don't just call it global warming and why I think our president is stupid for the fact that every day that it's cold, like, he's always asking about global warming. Global warming doesn't just mean that, you know, that winter goes away because the Earth is getting warmer. Climate change is a big deal because it's causing more earthquakes, tsunamis, like, it, it, it's just caused a myriad of things. And the kind of destruction that is coming about because of it is not even fully realized yet. Now, if I get to rewrite this movie... Go for it. I, I can fix it in two words. <laughs> Jet comes. Jaguar. Yeah, I knew you were going to... <laughs> you shut the fuck up! You know how much I love Jet Jaguar! <laughs> I know. No, it's funny. This movie, once, when it, once it really kicks off and the monsters show up and it looks like it's going to be a giant monster party... Like that is the moment, <laughs> and, and where this Nothing movie... but a monster party. <laughs> and when you like really get into it, and I swear to God, like I was in a, I was sitting in the movie, and I was just like, you know what, Michael Doherty probably could introduce Jet Jaguar in this series. Like that is how campy it's feeling right now. <laughs> Why the fuck not? Just like I'm just saying, it's not completely out of like. The realm of possibilities have a robot that turns into the size of a kaiju to fight using martial arts. <laughs> no, and to be honest, like I think it's it's very plausible in a series like this now. Like, the, it, again, it is now the the purpose of this movie is that it posits that all these monsters existed before humans did, before dinosaurs did. They walked the earth. They were the leviathans that walked over the earth before quote-unquote god-created humans right it is a kind of biblical or you know spiritual way to look at these things and now they're coming back into this earth because you know the world is changing and isn't the way it used to be and that's essentially emma and i forget what the leader of the eco-terrorist group is tywin Tywin's group. Shit. Ooh. Tywin Lannister? Yeah, Tywin Lannister. And that will be his name until I remember what his actual character name is. But yeah, like that's essentially their motivation in this movie is that they just want to they like they want to make humanity pay, right? Well, Tywin specifically wants to make humanity pay. But Emma really does believe that and you mentioned it earlier how how humanity has done so much to harm the earth that the kaiju are the earth's way of defending itself from what we've done and also to heal it you know mm -hmm. um and then uh 
Let's see. Story stuff happens, but we I think you and I really just want to get to when uh, Ghidra gets introduced. Oh, for sure. And the other the, when Ghidra gets introduced, like it happens in Antarctica, Ghidra is massive and they show Fucking the oh, they show the scene from the trailer from the original Comic-Con trailer where it's just Ghidra like obscured by shadow and lightning. And it just expands its wings. Like, in, you know, it just, it looks fantastic. There's, this movie just does those moments better than anything I could have ever imagined. And in those moments, I was sitting in the theater and I was like saying to myself, God damn, this is what I always wanted from a Godzilla movie. Like, what, you know, you, you, if you're going to use CGI, if you're going to do a modern special effects one, like, it should look like this. And it fucking looked like that. <laughs> they made him so fucking big that it's like to the point where, like, I can't comprehend the sheer size of these creatures. Like, how they're even able to move around, you know? Will you ever um, look at volcanoes in Mexico the same way ever again? <laughs> oh, fuck no, I won't. <laughs> Especially when fucking Rodan can burst out of him at any given point, apparently. Jesus. Yeah, I remember like three years, three, four years ago going to El Salvador with my parents. And we like went to these like craters um, in like mountains and stuff like that. And there's lots of volcanoes there as well, right? Like we mm-hmm. went to some, see some of these things and you're just like, man, like, <laughs> could you... Because I watched all these movies growing up, I was like... Could you imagine a monster coming out? <laughs> and then everyone just looks at me like, sir, this is a Wendy's. And they <laughs> ignore me. You know what's so funny is I remember uh, I remember when I was a kid, I went fishing with my dad, and we were out like, ah, fuck, where were we? We were in, we were in one of the, like, the many bays here in the San Francisco Bay Area. <laughs> But we were, like, we were fishing somewhere, and I just remember, like, I had looked off into the distance, like, it's the open-ass ocean, right? And I was, like, one of the, and I must have been, like, six years old, so I was, like, me trying to comprehend something that was so fucking huge, right? And then my dad was, like, he thought I was, like, thinking about something hella deep, right? And then he was, like, what are you thinking about? And I was like, what if Godzilla popped out right now? <laughs> <laughs> and my dad got so mad at me. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck do you expect? I'm six, asshole. <laughs> yeah, those are my exact words at six years old. <laughs> no, it's funny because like around the time that this movie started, like, you know, the marketing was getting big and I was preparing for us to go watch it. I fell into a YouTube hole one day and they were talking about the Mariana Trench. Fuck. Oh, my goodness. And I just, like, got frightened and horrified just thinking about it. Like, there's so much in deep, deep oceans that we, like, can't even comprehend. Like, we, you're talking about areas of the water that are so deep that light doesn't even show up, right? Like, a lot of the monsters down there are almost neon because there's just... Otherwise, all you would see is abyss. <laughs> And that's fucking terrifying. Remember, kids, the real monster is the unknown. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And there's also another YouTube video that I heard where it was just, like, people who would put, like, microphones, like, deep into the ocean. 
and it was like the 10 like scariest recordings of anything like in the ocean that exists and it's why just... would you do this to yourself <laughs> i don't know it just sounded really interesting <laughs> you're like because one of them is godzilla and i want to find it okay god. Yeah. <laughs> oh god so um we finally get to see Ghidorah match up against Godzilla down in Antarctica. And Godzilla looks fucking dwarfed by Ghidorah, dude. Yeah. And they yeah. already made Godzilla look absolutely massive in the opening of this in San Francisco. And now it's just like it, everything is blue, but it's bright and you can see it. It is not the same as the last movie where I swear to you I had to adjust the brightness on my mo- <laughs> on my television <laughs> to even see the monsters. Like They have fixed one of my biggest issues with the last movie. And that's that I wasn't able to see anything. And not yeah. only do they show you everything, but they show you everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the greatest way possible. So those guys end up tussling down in Antarctica. When pretty much Godzilla gets his shit kicked in. Ghidorah manages to fly away. And Godzilla kind of has to lick his wounds, right? And Ghidorah is flying towards Mexico at this point, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What I thought was really interesting is that this movie also tells you that Godzilla does get hurt in these fights, and the way mm-hmm. that he kind of regenerates is he goes to the like bottom of the ocean, to you know the part of our you know the Earth's core where there's a lot of radiation, so it kind of like helps heal him. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. He like absorbs heat and radiation from things around him he's not like the mudo the mudo have to truly have to eat something radioactive right Mm -hmm. he just has to kind of like be around it and he just like goes and he naps and he gets strong again then he comes back and he's ready for round two so he goes and he tries to like heal up meanwhile Ghidra is and like you were saying the fact that as he flies it looks like he's creating a tropical storm around him they do a fantastic job of that too because they have like the you know pilots that are you know flying trying to take him down and stuff like that and they get caught in this giant storm it was <laughs> so it's so fucking wild yo and then you know you have that massive fucking helicarrier essentially what's the helicarrier and it's flying its way down to Mexico to which to... that ship like I swear like it really it really took me back to some of the Showa era like Godzilla movies where a lot of the conversations among human characters took place on carriers um just like these futuristic airplanes <laughs> these super <laughs> x uh, fighter plane you know like all these like weird vehicles and stuff like that like that stuff is super throwback and classic godzilla and it's campy because like you're saying it's it's a really sci-fi trope right just a massive ship well it looks like you can like talk and it looks like the no i'm sorry go ahead it looks like the uh the plane from (laughs) x-men really yeah it looks like the blackbird like and I'm pretty sure that's what it was probably like modeled after a stealth bomber because that's kind of what it looks like. I just wanted to like start like humming the cartoon X Men theme when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. But yeah, you know, like that thing, it just like explodes jet fuel as it's trying to get there to overcome it. And then we get to see that awesome scene of fucking Rodan finally like breaking out of the volcano. 
and like just covered in lava and he looks like a huge fucking phoenix yeah he looks like he is lava like it's so nuts the the design that they do is very classic all the while like you know very classic like they did with godzilla but it's also just so awesome and new like he doesn't look like a pterodon from jurassic park 3 like no he is not at bigger all. bulkier like this creature looks like if it stands up, it might match Godzilla in height. And that's what was crazy. It's like they made Rodan seem so big because I never really associated Rodan with being like a big creature. But holy shit, does he look huge. And essentially Godzilla isn't on uh, Godzilla isn't anywhere close to Mexico at this point. Ghidorah is coming right for the coastline. And they still haven't, like, Monarch still hasn't evacuated people from this town in Mexico. And Rodan is, comes out. It's like, holy shit, it's, how can this possibly get worse, right? Mm-hmm. So when they realize that Ghidorah is on a collision course and he's about to make landfall, you know, like, Monarch, essentially Monarch, the team, right, with Sarazawa and, Sarazawa and, uh, and Mark have to go and they, they tell the crew to, like, what's it called bait Rodan into chasing them and they're leading him right into the eye of the storm that is Ghidorah and so they got to fly the plane right through the hurricane while Rodan's following him I was like holy there is so much going on this is so cool yeah and you know this is this is it Ghidorah fights Godzilla in that first fight and when he kind of almost nearly kills him he essentially like lets out a roar and all the other monsters like bow down to him as the king of the monsters. That's right. Like the title has a reason for existing. The point of this is that you have two alpha animals that are fighting for, you know, the ultimate supremacy, you know, and high status in this kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, God. And then I, you must have loved this. They brought back the the oxygen destroyer missile from the yeah, original. Yeah, absolutely. And they did something really funny with it where, like, in the original movie, the oxygen destroyer was a machine that, you know, it will have killed Godzilla. But what it's also going to do is, you know, it, it, it could be used as a dangerous weapon in warfare going later. And that's why the original Dr. Sarazawa from that movie ends up sacrificing himself. So he he turns on the oxygen destroyer and he essentially lets himself die so that, you know, his knowledge can never be used for evil and the machine is destroyed. And in and... this in this movie what they do is they try to use it as a kind of contingent to destroy Ghidra and it may also destroy Godzilla as well. You and... notice how that's Oh, that's essentially been the military's plan in both Godzilla movies. Is just we're gonna get every monster in one part of the Earth and just fucking explode them super hard. <laughs> and it's funny. I mean, it, it, what what else do you think the military's gonna do? Like, it's it's one of those things where, you know, obviously that's the only way that they know how to deal with things. So, what you can't expect them to change their methods for something that they don't understand yet. I know, especially since they're at least 10 years removed from Jet Jaguar technology. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Godzilla vs. Kong is just going to be Godzilla facing King Kong, and then Jet Jaguar will make a cameo. 
I will, and if he fucking gets murdered re- right away, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna super <laughs> cry. Well, and, and the other thing too is, it, again, like I said, I was surprised because to me, I thought Gareth Edwards should have been the guy to do the sequel to this movie. He always talked about how he wanted to do a modern retelling of Destroy All Monsters, and that's kind of what this movie is in terms of when the monsters like all pop up in different parts of the world, and they're all mm-hmm. causing destruction there. Like that is straight out of Destroy All Monsters. <clears throat> but you know Michael Doherty is apparently the right guy to for the job because he's just everything in this movie is hitting at a much higher level or better letter level than the 2014 movie did. Oh, for sure. All right. So, Ashton Destroyer goes off. Godzilla almost dies. Ghidorah is essentially the king of the monsters on Earth. And he instructs the monsters to just do the the widespread destruction, right? And kind of as a callback to the original original movie, like you just said, Sarazawa and his team they go down the essentially the center of the earth where Godzilla is trying to heal. Yep. And, and this movie they, also does the hollow earth theory where the idea is that the reason why these monsters can get from point A to B so fast is because these underground tunnels in the sea. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, man. Fuck you, flat earthers. <laughs> so, Sarazawa and his team come up with this idea to heal Godzilla. They're going to shoot him with a nuke. <laughs> They're gonna shoot. Oh my god! I love how all the answers in these movies are just shoot stuff with nukes. Mm-hmm. But they're like, we're gonna shoot Godzilla with a nuke. That way he can heal up, right? But it was during the them going through that slipstream in the Hollow Earth, or going in to pop up in the center of the Earth, where they find out that they they can't actually shoot Godzilla, right? Mm-hmm. And so Sarazawa. You know, takes it upon himself to take the nuke into a personal sub with him, and he's going to set it off, killing himself, but hopefully healing Godzilla, right? Very true so, to the, I mean, kind of like the inverse, like it, of the yeah, Sarazawa in the original movie. Yeah. Uh, and they also just have a really great moment between him and Godzilla, like before mm-hmm. it happens. And it he his character, since the first movie has kind of been pushing for instead of people trying to destroy Godzilla, you know, why don't we allow him to protect us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is very Let him Toho Godzilla, yeah. And, you know, they had that really sweet moment, and he goes up to Godzilla, and he touches him, he sets the explosive. Which, by the way, like, the amount of radiation at the center of the Earth, they were like, yo, even if you do manage to escape you're probably going to die of, like, super cancer. And he's just like, no, like, it's fine, right? Like, he makes his peace, and he accepts that it has to be him. Yeah. And he has to go, and he has that moment where, you know, he says in Japanese, you know, goodbye, my friend. And I was just like, man, like, can Watanabe definitely has me in my feelings for a monster. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the worst part about this is that this is the end of Ken Watanabe in this monster universe. I mean, you never know. We might see a young, you know, they might digitally de. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. I thought you were going to say in the next movie, we're going to see a giant Ken Watanabe. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you! <yeah, dude. laughs> I just. <laughs> 
picture him like showing up like in human clothes <laughs> as a giant monster throwing Bro. punches. <laughs> Let them fight. <laughs> Let me fight. <laughs> oh shit. But yeah, so they have that moment, and then Godzilla gets, like, supercharged by this nuke to the and point where is, he starts... Oh, I'm sorry, is, go ahead. And this is where they play the classic Godzilla theme when he pops out of the ocean. Um, It's actually the Samoa Joe theme song. <laughs> well, not anymore. Now that he's in WWE, <laughs> they had to give him bootleg Godzilla music. I know, it's fucking weak, assholes. Oh, God, but he looks so fucking terrifying, dude. Looks great. And they continue the thing from Godzilla 2014, which is before he does this fire breath, like, it's got the light that goes, like, up the sails and goes straight out of his mouth. It's uh, It looks so sick. And the fights in this are just so fantastic. Like, I cannot go through it scene by scene by scene. But I can tell you this right now. Like, if you have any interest in, in just watching a movie that looks beautiful, that doesn't feel that long, you get through it so quickly. Like, this movie is perfect for what I wanted it to be, which was a giant two-hour monster fight. <laughs> and boy, is that last monster fight awesome. It is glorious. It's... It was everything you wanted 2014 Godzilla to be, and it's like the ultimate payoff if you were holding out from that movie. Mothra brings him back to life by sacrificing herself. You find out that there's essentially something... We got a thing going on between Godzilla and Mothra. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate you so much. And the movie like has like there is a movement on Twitter where it's like nothing but Godzilla and Mothra like fan art where people have shipped them very hard. <laughs> I was like, I fucking hate the internet. Are you serious? I was search for it on Twitter. You know, go for Godzilla Mothra ship, and you'll just see like a ton of fan art that Michael Doherty like shares himself now. That is like, uh, it's like these cute little cartoons of Godzilla and Mothra together. I I like the T-shirt where it's like Godzilla. There's like a T-shirt I saw where it's like Mothra carrying Godzilla, and it says Ultimate Life Form. (laughs) because <laughs> now Godzilla can fly so now we're all fucked this is, the, this is the first time that Godzilla has been like you know has had an ally like on American film uh, and you know that is what Mothra is and it doesn't show like I mean even though the other monsters are destroying places they're not presented as like evil monsters like they are presented as kind of animals just existing and the reason why they're destroying things is because technically they're not supposed to be around right now. But we have driven them out of hibernation with all the damage that we've done to the planet. Well, I mean, technically Rodan's kind of evil. He he becomes kind of a prick. But Rodan has always been kind of a, like... A prick? No, no, no. I mean, like, Rodan is kind of like Catwoman in that his allegiances can be both good and bad. <laughs> I never thought I would find myself, like... Debating the allegiance of a essentially pterodactyl. Yeah, but no kidding. Like Rodan is one of those beings that can either be like helpful to Godzilla or they would like fight. Like 
his his loyalty in this movie goes to whoever the king is. So, and it looks like it's Ghidorah, and it's cool because Mothra and Rodan have a pretty intense fight too. You know. Yep. So there's like a lot going on in this movie. That that final fight seems so good, dude. Like, and then you get to see um. You get to see him. You you get to see Godzilla essentially go like nuclear. Yeah, which is straight out of Godzilla versus Destroya, right? Like in Godzilla versus Destroya, he is essentially like melting down, and he's turning into a walking like nuclear catastrophe waiting to happen. Except in this movie, instead of having Godzilla die, like when when he finally melts down, like this movie, like a Pokemon gives him a new ability <laughs> to, <laughs> to where he can cause a radioactive explosion at any moment, whenever he wants. <laughs> it was so fucking cool, dude. <laughs> and that also comes at the cost of a second sacrifice, which is Vera Farmiga's character of Emma. And one of the things that I, the reason why I like her character a lot, and I know other people have, talked about how her characterization is not good i think it's really great because she starts off as someone who you know is just trying to do the best she can you know has thrown herself into her work is trying to find a way to communicate with these things and in the second act of the movie when she's kidnapped the plot twist in all of this is that she is really the one that's trying to set all these monsters free and the reason why she's wanting to do that is because she needs you know, in her mind, like the earth needs to kind of like be destroyed so that it can start to live again. And, and this movie shows that when they show like the aftermath of San Francisco, right? Like she thinks that it will be something where she sacrifices a lot of people, but because she's already lost a child, like she feels like she has an understanding for the necessary evil that what she's doing is. And Millie Bobby Brown's character, we haven't really talked about a lot. And unfortunately, even though she's good and she's got a great presence and, you know, I love her and everything that she's in right now, um, her her story isn't really that important. Or they try to make it important, but it just doesn't feel that way. And But her, her best line is really when she looks at her mother and refers to her as the monster. <laughs> You're a monster! You freak! Well, okay, I'm out of that part, but I would have loved it if she starts going, You freak! Get away from me! <laughs> she, like, turns into a total bitch and, like, lives up to those evil things Millie Bobby Brown does on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it it's an awesome movie. Uh, I We can't really go through it scene by scene, and I couldn't break down the final fight for you if I wanted to. All I can There's really just say, so much going on yeah. in that final fight. All I can say is that, to me... If the American audience needs a Godzilla movie that that had to be created, this is kind of like the best that best way you could do it. You brought you, you brought I'm everything sorry, back. Um, you showed respect to the Toho monsters, the music from Toho. Like this movie is a love letter to the Showa era of Godzilla movies. Also, if you're watching a Godzilla movie for the human characters, go watch a different movie. <laughs> That's the that's literally the only thing I can tell you. Like, if you really want to watch a movie about like the indifference of man and like the you know the nature of our creations, that's similar to this. Go watch the the, the first Jurassic Park. All right, 
this is not that type of movie. <laughs> like, yeah, there are some, there are some, uh, you know, uh, allegorical aspects to the film that Angel and I were talking about. But honestly, the big thing is, it's a big monster fight. It's a big fucking fun movie to start the summer off. No, oh, and the great thing about this being back is that if you do want something like that. There is still a third Jurassic World movie that is in production right now that will be released in two years. Oh, yeah. Fucking Chris Pratt versus Godzilla, baby. <laughs> um, so I, this is the only thing left to say, even though we already know the answer. Uh, do we like this movie, Javi? Oh, fuck yeah. I love this movie. This movie... <laughs> This movie was a lot better than the 2014 Godzilla movie, I'll tell you that much. Like, I really like, like I said, like I said during the trailer, or the the trailer, like I said during the uh, review of the 2014 one, right? There was a lot of things I like in that movie, even though I don't necessarily like the movie itself. This movie corrected a lot of the issues I had, and holy shit, was it just a fun movie to enjoy. And I felt like there was enough to the plot where people were like, like you do kind of get a so, like a well-developed story with a lot of good character motivations and shit. I'm not there for that, though. <laughs> we all know what I want, and I want to see big fucking monsters doing big fucking monster things, and I got that in spades. You know, like, I thought I thought Mothra, like, the simple color change and design change for Mothra just made her, made her appeal more to me, which I really liked. You know, I liked the connection. Like you said, the weird-ass connection, the Rule 34 connection all of a sudden between Godzilla and Mothra. Like, it's cool. Like, you know, the, the, and all the cool callbacks to all the other Toho movies that you were talking about. Like, this was, like you said, a love letter to Godzilla fans by Godzilla fans, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for me, obviously, I, I echo all of your sentiments. We watched this movie together. We talked about it after we came out and, and just how much more we enjoyed this than the first movie in the series. Um, I, and I'm just really impressed. Like, they, they, they followed up on 2014. They're still setting up the Godzilla vs. Kong storyline that we're moving into for the next one. And I just really hope that they get the opportunity to complete this series. Um, it's fuck yeah. It like to me again. It doesn't need to be that deep. It just needs to. If you give me something else that was as fun as this was, I'm going to watch it in a Dobly D box uh, cinema because that's the other thing where I had like people, listeners, and friends of mine tell me, "Have you been to one of these Dobly theaters where the seats rumble and all that kind of stuff, and you feel miss and everything?" And and I have not. But if you're going to give me another one of these Godzilla movies that's going to be as good as this one, we are there day one. And I don't care how far I have to drive to get there. I mean, well, I, like, I kind of care. But... <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weakling. <laughs> you lack the resolve. <laughs> Um, yeah, again, we'd like to thank everybody for, for, you know, listening to the episode and, and for riding with us through the hiatus that we had to go through for a week. Um, we really want to thank everybody who's following us on this Star Wars uh, journey with these uh, films in the franchise. I'm very excited for next week because next week we're going to review Solo, a Star Wars story, which I have never seen. It is the only seri- movie in the series that I've never seen before. So 
I'm very no. much looking forward to us watching it and talking about our first impressions. Yeah, here's hoping I don't hate it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, I haven't watched it yet, so I'm probably going to watch it sometime this week. I'm really excited. haven't seen this movie yet. Let's fucking go. So uh, thanks for joining us. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys uh, when we get back to Star Wars. So uh, I'm Angel. And I'm Javi. Later, turds. Thanks for joining us.